welcome to The Worst Person in the Room. I'm your host, Teresa Francesca, and this is a podcast because I'm a millennial. Before I get into the meat of this episode, I wanted to share a little bit about what's been happening with me. Uh, (laughs) I've been making efforts over the last uh, three years or so to kind of dig into my, my own history and address experiences I've had that really, that I just desperately wanted to not be problems or to not make problems for me, but really were making problems for me, but were really standing in my way emotionally, psychologically, whatever. I've been trying to do this for a few years and it's been a very stop and start kind of process. It kind of seemed to really pick up speed last year and, and in the last few months, it's it's really been um, kind of intense for me. There are things I really can't ignore anymore, and um, it hurts. And I know it will be a relief on the other side, and that's why it hurts to wait, and it hurts to not do it. But it's also brought up questions of, uh, you know, knowing that I need to find a way out. Do I... Is it right to actually share the experiences that brought me suffering, that I brought suffering to? Who knows? You can blame me, whatever. You know, you can blame me for my own pain. Um, But the question of when it's right to share your own experience um, and when it's going to, when it's going to be right for you and when it's going to be right um, for that relationship to not harm it in the long term. It's just, it's been confusing the hell out of me. And so uh, I'm in a really conflicted space. And it actually brings me a lot of humiliation because when I was a teenager, I was really into the idea of knowing myself and um, knowing my own like inner mechanisms and inner workings. And, and so it's, it's, it's really humiliating. It's like, that is the best word. Um, It's embarrassing to be 30 and be like, okay, I actually have to address these things. Like these things I tried to slough off when I was 22. I'm like, no, they're fucking relevant. They sound dumb as hell. And I know if I talk about them or I feel like if I talk about them, they're going to sound dumb as hell and pathetic, but like, no, they actually affect me on like an almost daily basis. I mean, I guess it's suitable. (laughs) Uh, this this episode, I'm going to be talking to someone I knew when I was a teenager. Uh, I feel like every time I've recorded this intro many times and I keep like trying to say his name and then sidestepping it because it's like my mouth doesn't quite know how to say it without going into like a weird Puerto Rican accent, which I don't have. So I don't know why it keeps doing that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I went to high school with him and like I mentally think of him as Ricky. Uh, sorry, man, if you don't like that. But yeah. He's cool. Let's get into it. Am I supposed? Are you supposed to do like an intro or? Uh, I do it separate. Oh, okay then. Ricky Toe is a guy who was filled with insecurities as I knew him as a child, and he grew Aww. up into a man that was filled with insecurity. <laughs> no. Good job. <laughs> let's get let's, let's get real real fast. No. Oh. Uh. Yeah, okay. So, I am Rikito Ogawa. I am a half-Japanese, Okinawan-born, naturalized when I was 14, American citizen, 
who was the son of a single fob, <laughs> which means fresh off the boat, for those of you who aren't Asian, um, mother. And I did... I don't know. Yeah, that's it. That's like the whole story of Rikito. Yeah. I got nothing else. My, my fucking major was stupid. I, I squandered any talent and will I had as a child, and now I'm 30 years old. Oh my god, I'm 30 years old. Okay. This is a good club. <laughs> okay. There, I've described myself. Good job. <laughs> Are you not entertaining? Oh, man. Okay. Have you ever felt like the worst person in the room? Oh, God, yes. Oh, my. What have I ever felt? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, fuck. Tell you some stories, some anecdotes. So, um, I would say, like, when I got here, I was trying to, like, so all through high school and college, I was always, uh, I, I felt like I was the asshole, like, just the rude, abrasive douchebag who had no filter and like, I don't know, it wasn't a good thing, but people didn't want to fucking mess with that. So they would just kind of like, be like, oh yeah, he's, he's cool or whatever, you know, but I was trying to get away from that in college. And then I just didn't, I just fell back in old fucking ways. And then I didn't, uh, I came here to fucking fake ass English teach in Japan and I want to get away from that. And I just fell back into it and it just fucking sucks. Cause every time like you're in like a group of people who are having a good time and then I feel like more often than not, I'm that guy. Like not, not like, I don't know, like somebody will say, I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, everybody's having a really nice Twitter conversation and I just like fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson in with information that nobody needs and nobody wants to hear that just ruins the conversation altogether. Uh, Like, I don't know, like somebody's, somebody's talking about how they made fucking pancakes last week because their aunt died or something. And then I'm like, well, did you know pancakes? That's actually a misnomer. Like, I'm just like, like, (laughs) like, I, I feel like I do that or I did that. I don't do that anymore because I fucking bite my tongue now. Because that's what adults do. They grow up and they don't need to talk all the time. They don't need to be the center of attention. But, yeah. Uh, the I, I'll try to think of one that was relevant to us. So there was a wom- woman. Well, she was a girl back then. Her name was Liz. Elizabeth Liz. She was a half-Japanese girl. She was a freshman when we were juniors, I think. Okay. Um. Well, like, I wasn't aware that it was a secret that she was considering moving to her father's house because her parents were divorced. And I didn't really know that, actually. I just thought, you know, they were separated or something. And she was, like, making all of these plans, right? And then, um, I don't remember the situation. It was, like, a play or something. And her mother comes out. And I'm, like, so excited to see her mother because, like, I have a huge crush on her at the time. And I'm just excited to talk to her and her mother. And I say, so how are preparations for the move going? And the mother looks at her daughter and then looks at me and she's like, move? And I was like, yeah, I thought she was going to head to her father's. Oh. And, like, yeah, apparently this was a big secret. And I had no idea it was a secret. And fucking Liz looks at me. 
like I'm the worst human being in the world and tears are swelling in her eyes and her mother looks at me and then looks at her daughter and she says she says this she says you need to leave and I was holy shit man like that one that one fucking haunts me I always feel bad her life is fucking great though so like I think she had a baby and a husband like it all worked out in like the long long run right Mm -hmm. that was something that fucked with me and then there's a lot of times where I get really bad anxiety where I think like retro like like in retrospect I was a bad guy. Like especially after drinking parties or something. Hmm. Which we have a lot of drinking parties in Japan. And I'm like, <laughs> did I conduct myself well? Like should I have said this thing? Should I not have said that thing, you know? And I I think if I'm if I Recently, it hasn't happened. I think after like I hit twenty seven and twenty eight, and like all the chemical bullshit in my brain balanced out, um, I didn't feel like that. But I used to like fucking just really, really, I I would get really fucked up over it. Like all of the I should just kill myself because that'll be easier than having to deal with these people on Monday kind of deal, and it was just mm-hmm. real bad. Uh, that that's a cool thing though like the fact that uh like a hundred percent like fact 25 26 years old your brain chemistry finally balances out and i feel well not balances out but like it gets to where it needs to get or whatever and then you can start tweaking it but mm-hmm. man i did that changes night and day like i really feel like that was when i became an adult was when i was like when my brain finally settled down i don't know uh, risk assessment. That's what it is. Uh, you, your brain doesn't assess risk very well before 25, which is oh. why you have, yeah. Like think about all soldiers. Think about, uh, suicide bombers. Think about uh, a lot of people who do stupid, crazy shit. They're mostly before age 25 fucking jackass. Like you ever hear any of the stories from like all of the jackass guys, you know, when they were sub 25, they were doing the shit whatever right and then you know you start talking to people like johnny knoxville or whatever when they're hitting the 30s and stuff and they're like i don't want to do this anymore this is fucking stupid Hmm. and that's the truth though right like yeah sorry oh that's fine you know just rant about i just i just start thinking about like oh i feel like when i was i feel like a, a switch flipped in the opposite direction like i felt like i always was very i i was always trying um is really mindful to kind of like be contained and, and be responsible and, you know, more risk averse. Um, and I still am risk averse in a lot of ways, but I feel like I, it's like, I didn't really become a kid until I was about 25 or 24. Um, Mm. I didn't like feel free. Um, and then I was like, Oh, I never got to actually do this because I was, trying to be a mini adult since I was like seven. So, <laughs> so now I feel like a twat. Uh- <laughs> no, maybe, I don't know, maybe that is risk assessment. Maybe you've assessed your, your, your mental health and yeah. realized that being like that is not conducive to a happy existence. And then you've relaxed. Like maybe that is your chemicals balancing out. Right. Maybe prior mm-hmm. to that, like you were just, I don't know, held with some kind of fear or, because uh, you got a, uh, I don't know what it is. Is it Crohn's? Is it some chronic? Yeah, uh, colitis technically. Yeah. Although it could also be Crohn's. I've wondered recently. I'm like, I seem to be like worse and worse whole body system. 
So I'm like, maybe I actually do have Crohn's and it was like a misdiagnosis of colitis earlier because they can present in similar ways too. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. They can totally both are in my family. (laughs) I mean like that right there, of course it's going to, if you're going to be risk averse because fucking pain hurts. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yes. I'm often the worst person in the room. That is great to hear. <laughs> oh, actually, let's say uh, in in uh, so in Japan, right? I'm always the worst person in the room, though. Um, mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, every once in a while, I'll it's like an old man will say something racist or some shit, or be really rude to a woman. Oh man, people being rude to women is fucking disgusting, right? Um, it, it, it's so common in Japan. It's just fucking mind blowing how often it happens. But you know, you try to fucking be an ally. You try to fucking use your privilege or whatnot to do the right thing. But in Japan, right? Let's say, uh, there was this one time where I saw an old man, like just trying his best to rub up on a little girl. Like maybe she was like 14 years old or 15 years old or some shit. Right. And I fucking called him out. I was like, Hey. You fucking stop that shit, you disgusting fuck. And he fucking walked off and grumbling, right? And the girl, like, bowed, and she was really happy about that, right? She was like, okay, thank you very much, right? But everyone looked at me like I was a bad guy because I fucking addressed that. That is depressing. <laughs> that, that, the, it's a big thing in Japan. Like, the person who, the person who does the transgression is not nearly as bad as the person who makes a scene and calls it out. Mm. Like you're Ugh. supposed to just uh, so in Japanese they, they say gaman gaman is like patience, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like extreme patience. It's like mm-hmm. oh well, there's a good chance I'm gonna die from working too hard. But you know what? Just a little bit more. And uh, but yeah, that that really ties into the whole being the fucking worst person in the world. Mm. <sighs> Sorry, you have like eighty thousand questions. I'm sure. Oh, well, I have some. <laughs> what's what's a good one? Oh, have you discovered something about yourself that scared or alarmed you? How easily I can manipulate people. Fun. <laughs> I mean, not fun, but same. Uh, <laughs> um, talk about. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, I found out a long time ago that it was easy to get me to like get people to open up to me. By by being very honest and vulnerable, because like when you approach somebody with vulnerability, they can um they they feel that they resonate with that or something, and then when you it's it's kind of like it's kind of like it's trading, an invitation, yeah, and yeah, it's trading business cards. It's like, hey, I tried to kill myself this one time. How about you? And then you know, like it goes from <laughs> there, and um that kind of shit like gets people to open up, right? And of course, mm-hmm. you would, you don't use that for badness you use that for good you you want you want to share vulnerability you want to be like with people in that capacity but like there was a point where it clicked in my head that like i found it very easy easy to like befriend enemies that i didn't like in order to like man like manufacture like a fucking amazing schadenfreude or something or uh Mm. hurt people by getting the people around them to not like them by like subtly manipulating uh i don't know a situation i mean obviously you don't do these things but it's easy 
you realize how easy it is. It's yeah. It's like um like my favorite book or whatever, uh like not book book but like help book or whatever is the Dale Carnegie one about how to influence people and make friends or whatever, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's literally just a bunch of anecdotes on how to manipulate people, <laughs> like how to get people <laughs> to like you. But because it's in the spirit of goodness, like it's not a bad thing, right? But yeah, it's just about skills if you're using it for good. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah, but like they literally apply on the the darker end and then when you yeah. start to realize that you you start to think like I don't want to use these things um for nefarious purposes cuz that's not cool. That's like the biggest betrayal you could manifest is like taking someone's emotions and then just fucking I don't know fucking yeah i mean obviously it's not 100 percent. otherwise i'd be like fucking trump or some shit celebrity Ugh. president um but uh i know i use it in interviews all the time like i've never failed an interview i failed one oh. but it was because i didn't really get an interview it was for cold stone creamery it was the one in jacksonville <laughs> oh god a long time ago that was the only that literally the only time i've ever failed a an interview I failed so many interviews, but especially at Coldstone Creamery, where the person who was supposed to interview me didn't show up for half an hour Disgusting. and then asked me to sing. And then I sang in Latin. <laughs> Wonderful. God damn it, Coldstone. <laughs> I'm fucking, what is it? fucking petty cabo something it iramabo like is that is that that's that's the only latin that anybody needs to know right i i don't know what that is it sounds like avocado to me no, i sang person antodia <laughs> no it's that it's that one poem about the guy who says like i will face fucking sodomize you but it's all in latin what? so it sounds really yes. good right like <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, I need to know that then. So <laughs> uh, it? it's Pedicabo Ego Voset Iramabo, and I'm going to find it. It is cat- Catalyst 16. I'm going to. Apparently, that means I will sodomize you and face fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have a plan. Uh- <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, like you know, Latin. It's a classy language. Yeah. Soup's class. So that's what makes me laugh so much. Like people don't realize, like just because it's Latin, like you can't say things like that. <laughs> like, it's like, no, that's the that's the that's the medicine language. You can't you can't say it's the medicine language. You can't say Doctor Latin medicine language. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's the fake. It's the fake spells from Harry Potter language. Betty Cabo, <laughs> stop it, Ron. <laughs> no. That's terrible. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Also, Everything's gross. Al- it's great. Also, why the <laughs> fuck, like, I, man, Harry Potter pisses me off so much in some ways. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, like, it really does. Like, JK is like, oh, and by the way, X character is gay. Okay, cool. Thanks for telling us that. Like, what? You didn't. You didn't. 
you just added that on like like it's an accessory yeah. or like I was like oh yeah. and Hermione's I black it, like, more explicitly then. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. like yeah cool Hermione's black but you never said that she was black like you never described her like that in the book like you can't just strap these things like it's it's that point. yeah it helps much more for it to actually be in the text exactly instead of from word of God especially since like author is dead as a style of like literary criticism and approaching any media. So I like that. I think authors that is how you should address it because like uh yeah. I feel like it was just pandering. Like we haven't even talked about the bullshit about the stories themselves, but just just from JK Rowling, like it was just pandering. That's not that's not that's not being supportive, that's not being an ally, that's just pandering. Also, fucking Ravenclaw, man. Cacaw. <laughs> Like, that's, all that, that's the only fucking one that matters. All, all Asians are in Ravenclaw. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. I love that they found, like, a Scottish-Korean girl or whatever to do Cho Chang. That just made my day. Oh, Good casting. Okay, sorry. Uh, okay, what are some beliefs that you've held about, like, who you are or who you should be? And how have they kind of either ruptured or been reinforced oh oh, man i'm half i'm half japanese halfsies yeah seriously like i don't know like i grew up when i was so like when i was in the united states i felt like my mother raised me japanese like in the house until like i don't know like high school middle school high school ish right and then I was still, like, just, like, a piece of shit bad child or whatever, but, like, I always identified as a Japanese person, right? And then I moved mm. here to Japan, <laughs> and I and I lived in Okinawa, and I was half Japanese, and I was okay with that. I was like, oh, this is nice. I'm mixed. This is where I want to be. And then I came to mainland Japan, and I was a foreigner. And even though I got beat up in school like in uh, middle school and high school for being the quote unquote chink and or like Mexican expletive, blah, blah, blah. Um, Even though I fucking fought for this identity, like I come here and these people who are just like naturally born with the identity uh, uh, kind of like disparage my agency. They're like, well, fuck you. You're never going to be Japanese, Rikito. And I'm okay with that. It's like, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Mm. But, like, then I go back to the fucking U.S. And, you know, most people are like, oh, yeah, you know, melting pot. You're fucking, you're American. It's cool. So you go back to fucking, you know, Richlands, North Carolina. And it's like, hey, uh, fucking no trabaja aquí. And you're like, well, dude, I don't even speak Spanish, man. What are you fucking doing? <laughs> like, calling my mother a fucking slanty eye in a food line parking lot. What the fuck? Fucking having KKK members literally try to fucking burn crosses in your yard because they think you're the black house that is a little bit farther down the road and shit. Like, like mm-hmm. fucking hearing stories that affirm that it wasn't a one-off thing from people who lived in fucking eight, nine mile. Like, mm-hmm. man, yeah, that that's a big thing that uh, about identity and who I was as a person. I, I realized that... It, one point that there's just nothing you can there's there's no happy place for people who are bicultural mm. literally yeah there's no there's no mm-hmm. fucking nice place to be when your identity is hinged on uh race ethnicity culture and it kind of sucks that that happens i mean maybe if you're like you're really like into your 
culture or whatever. That's cool. Fucking more power to you. But being that fucking sucks, man. And I feel like you see it manifest in, in media a lot too. Like, uh, let's take the fucking famous rapper Logic. Uh, Logic is he's biracial. He's white and black, but he's mostly white and he's white passing, right? But that guy struggles constantly with trying to like force his identity of being black enough to be black, right? And oh, yeah. it's like, but he's not taken serious, you know? Or like the the concept of colorism, colorism in, in the black community or in the Latin, like Latina, Latino community, even colorism in uh, Asian community, right? Like if you're brown Asian, you're not as good as if you're a white Asian. Like there's literally a hierarchy. Mm. Like I would say that mm. anybody would say like Indians aren't Asian enough or something, right? Or like Filipinos, oh, they're not they're not Asian enough. Well, no, they're just as Asian as anybody else. I was like, no, but when I'm thinking of Asian, I'm thinking of, you know, Chinese or Japanese. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I don't know. Fuck it. The point is uh, <laughs> race is a social construct that we have to respect and it fucking sucks and I hate everything. <laughs> I'm going to die Mexican. <laughs> oh, man. What have you recognized about yourself or, yeah, through uh, books or TV or any other media? It's music. I would say that I'm mopey. Like, <laughs> I learned very quickly how mopey I am. If it was movies, I don't think I ever look at a movie and identify it readily. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that was like, oh, yeah, this is my shit. You know, like, I kind of like... I don't know. I, I really strongly identify with Peter Quill from the Avengers movie and fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's not a character you want to identify with. So I guess that's not good. Um, but nah, I don't think I don't think I've noticed anything. Fuck. Oh, that's interesting. I've always. I don't know. I, I've always related to uh, books and TV and, you know, anything that's kind of a story or an expression of like, you know, even if I'm not like relating to one character really strongly, I'm, I'm, I feel very like tuned in so that whenever there is a particular moment, I'm like, Oh, I have that too. Like I, you know, or I've experienced something. All right. Like I really understand that feeling from that moment or something. Um, yeah. And I'm just taking like any opportunity while ingesting media to like, be like, you know, where can I find myself? Where can I like relate really viscerally, hmm. emotionally to a moment, to a situation? And, you know, what can I kind of take from that? I'm trying to be like a vampire to anything I encounter. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like, I, uh, first off, I don't read enough. So that's a big issue. Hmm. Um, I just don't, I don't like, I pretty much just read how to win friends and influence people over and over again. Cause that's the only book I own right now. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, like I moved recently, I moved a year ago yeah. and I didn't really like restock my libraries. And then as far as movies, I don't know. I was watching Scott Pilgrim, but I watched that recently. And I guess like in some sense, like I find I, I longed for the ability to, I don't know, be lovey-dovey again with somebody but like mm -hmm. that's not happening and i feel like most media currently is like directed to those who are like in relationships or those who are in like a personal struggle with life um 
so you're struggling with life or you're struggling with a relationship and seeing as I'm not in a relationship and seeing as I'm pretty content with my life, like, I mean, my rent is $250. It's a, it's a small ass apartment. That's easy to keep cleaned. Um, I have enough food. I have enough money to do what I want when I want. Like, I don't know. I guess I, I watch entertainment for entertainment. Like I'm watching like fucking, I don't know, Brooklyn nine, nine or something. I'm like, Oh, this is fun. I like it. And it's hilarious. But to mm-hmm. say like, Oh, I identify with this situation. Like, I mean, sometimes I'm like, ah, yeah, that's hilarious. But not like, not on a, like a really deep level. It makes me really sad, but music. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Music makes me so sad because I seek out music to like, I don't know. Are you trying to intensify your emotions? Maybe like, or maybe I'm just, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Sometimes I just hear me like, uh, there's this, uh, dude named Gus Dapperton, like, like all of his songs are like, just fucking like, just so eloquent and like, well-made. And it's like this fucking 20 year old kid. And like some of his songs I'm listening to and I'm like, oh man, that's, yeah, that's just lighting fucking fires in my chest. And I don't know. Maybe am I, am I seeking that or am I identifying it? I don't really know. Like it kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, maybe like, do I like well, fucking chicken or the egg? Right. Am I sad because of the music or am I music because of the sad? I don't know. Am I music because of the sad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I, I fucking botched that question. I apologize. I mean, that is fine. Like, I think that's the first, um, Oh, and maybe maybe it's not. But the first one I remember where it's like, oh no, I didn't really learn anything about myself from media. I'm sorry. Like I really uh, well I mean, define media. Like I mean, well, that's uh, why I, why I put it like last is like books, TV, other media, anything that you know. Well, yeah, I'm like I think media is a good term. Video games. Okay, I don't know video games. I don't know. Like no, but I I don't think like oh fuck me. Maybe that, maybe you're, you're like really hitting a nail on that. Like recently, like, uh, I haven't, um, been really into video games. Maybe it's cause I've lost that, you know, like, I don't know. Like, uh, let's say Zelda, right? Like the new Zelda, like is apparently one of the best games ever. I own it. I have a switch, you know, and everyone's like, this is the best game. This is the best game. So I buy a fucking switch to play it. And like. When I, when I hear people talk about it, they talk about it in terms of what they did and what they were doing, you know, in the game. It's never in terms of what Link did. Hmm. But, like, when I play the game, I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool, very open. Uh, eh, I can't get into it. And maybe it's maybe that's the reason. Maybe I just I'm not I'm not that person who's hooked onto the the whole media thing right now. Hmm. I really did like Fresh Off the Boat, though, the first season. Like the, cause I, there was a lot of times where I was like, ha, they get it. Like, you know, that's exactly what an Asian mother would do. That was, mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess that maybe, I don't know. Which fucking ties into the other question about like the whole fucking like identity thing. Like, yeah, maybe like, am I too attached to my Asianness? Like, I don't even think I'm that Asian. I'm half Asian, right? Like, ah, fucking frustrating. Okay. I don't, I don't want to talk about this question anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a fucking rabbit hole, man. No badass fucking caterpillar at the end either. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> Caterpillars and rabbits. 
Who are you? Oh, that's even deeper. Look at this. This this is this is a very good analogy. <laughs> this rabbit hole analogy. Man, fucking Alice through the looking glass. Maybe that was all about identity. Who knows? Sorry. Oh my gosh. Did you feel happy as a child? <sighs> that's a hard question. Generally, yeah, I think. What was that like? <laughs> what was it like to be happy as a child? Oh, that's weird. Like, what? What define? What, what? What age group are we talking about as child? I guess I'm thinking like twelve and under. Okay. Um. Yeah, because that was marked completely by being really, really fucking good at everything, getting perfect scores on everything, getting praised by everything, not getting beat up. Mm. Um kind of liking girls but not being too upset when they would turn me down and video games like i think that was sega generation and then uh you know hanging out with like steven bieber um that was pretty or and alex milam and yeah like that just playing fucking tony hawk pro skater and final fantasy and just video games on video games playing video games with my fucking stepdad who I don't think is like a stepdad. He's definitely my dad. He's the only dad I know. So don't, don't construe that. Um, yeah, I would say that I was pretty happy. I feel like at 12 was when everything went bad. Yeah. So as a child, yes, I would say generally speaking, even though there were days where we didn't have like enough food or some shit because like uh, the early, early ages, like, uh, before we moved to Richlands, like first grade or whatever. And before we like got situated, my mom was struggling to get like, like, money and stuff because she was working like a million jobs i was definitely like a fucking latchkey kid um raised by the discovery channel so hey i'm okay with that she fucking put on public fucking pbs and shit like you know that's that's what you want your kid to be raised by i think not Not fucking exactly fucking disgusting (laughs) garbage no but yeah uh i would say generally speaking uh ignorance is bliss do you okay? Well, this, this is veering off of my questions that I have written, but like, I feel like this is the most pointed question that I have on my list mm-hmm. because I don't know. Like, I guess because there's there's like so many avenues for it. Like, what does it actually mean to be happy as a child versus happy as an adult? Like, what is like the def? How is the definition of happiness distinct for childhood or? Like oh, I was no, such no, a fucking a, misery guts. So I like, what is this? <laughs> this is, this is, that's a really cool point. Cause me and my friend Sam were talking about it the other day. Um, I feel like whimsy, whimsy is like the difference between like childhood happiness and current happiness. Like, so now to be happy, I need to spend time with people. I need a lot more fucking dopamine. I, I know what it is to feel happy so I can seek it, you know? Um, but as a child, like there is no usual, generally speaking, there's no goal, you know, you, you Hmm. wake up, you wake up and you do things, whatever, like assuming that you have a good childhood, like, don't get me wrong. If you're in a broken home and you're waking up hungry or you're in an abusive household, yeah, that fucking sucks. Or if you're fucking sick or if you're uh, any of number of fucking bad situations, let's just say like what, what I would consider an average childhood um, there are no goals. You just fucking wake up, you do what you're told and you do what you have to. And then there's, you, you, you gain happiness from anything that 
is happening because that's what you know. Like, um, when I was little and the first time that I ever got a fucking Game Boy or whatever, like a Game Boy Advanced, um, we we didn't have enough money to buy games for it. We only had enough to buy the system, which is fine. But I remember how excited I was. Like, I put the batteries in and I spent literally like 30, 40 minutes just turning it on and off just to hear and see the screen and the the Game Boy Advance logo pop up. Oh, that's and adorable. Like, <laughs> but, like, but it was it was awesome, right? And it made me excited and happy. And it was such a small thing. And it distracted me from any problems that I might have had at the time. Now, we we do get that. We get that whimsy, but we don't notice it as such, right? Like, I've been really seeking it. I've been looking for it. And I realized that I find that kind of whimsy in the form of uh, announcements for uh I don't know, like a show that I really want to see. Like, oh, all of a sudden fucking Fully Cooley has two new seasons. Oh, I, I, I got a little bit of happiness out of that, right? Or um, uh, the person that I want to talk to, like uh, coming back to my phone and seeing like that I've received a message, like that makes me really happy that like, you know, and it's the same feeling that I got from turning on a fucking Game Boy Advance with no game in it over <laughs> and over again as a child. It's just harder to find mm. now. So... No, I don't think it changes. I just think we just label it differently and we need more. Mm. What is happiness? Happiness is uh, serotonin and dopamine <laughs> and oxytocin. I think it is harder to be happier as an adult, though. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe know. it's not. This is this is this is going to sound really stupid. I don't think it's harder to be happy. I think it's easier to be miserable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it takes a lot of effort to be happy, you know, to be positive, to, to fucking word your like change your language in such a way that that, you know, does grow that happiness that does make you happy and shit like. Hmm. I think I'm trying to like think about, you know, I have this question, do you feel happy as a child? Really, because I was not a happy child. I'm, I guess I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, what is happy? Like, why wasn't I happy? And like, if I wasn't happy as a child, like, is that why it's so hard to get happy as an adult? And thinking about what is it like? Like, what did I not like about child? Like, what what were the moments of happiness that I felt when I was younger that made me feel like, oh, I can actually tap into this thing called happiness? And it was um, autonomy. It was being able to like walk myself somewhere and growing up in fucking rich lands where there aren't any, you know, certainly where I lived, there weren't any sidewalks. You have to walk through multiple giant anthills to get to like a place. It, uh, and since it wasn't safe for me to go anywhere by myself and, you know, have my own exploration, um, even just in a physical space. So I had to really do it in my brain. But... But then, you know, by the time you grow up and you have access to like, you're old enough to drive a car and have a car and, you know, be in control of where you just go geographically and how you can actually express yourself in the outside world, outside of your head or outside of a notebook or something. Like you, by that time, you have all these like, like fucking screws in your head from growing up being told things and learning things from the world around you of like how you do have to be responsible and have to do something before you do something else. And 
making it and just like having those voices be so loud that by the time certainly that I was able to like be in charge of my own daily life, that those voices are still so loud that I feel very weighed down by them. And I feel like it's really hard to actually uh, exert the full power that I have or even anywhere near to the full power that I have to control my own life and uh, guide it as opposed to kind of like crawling on the floor. <laughs> uh, um, I know that isn't the question, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take it all in and figure out if there's anything that I can like say that isn't like unintentionally patronizing or maybe you just don't remember it. <laughs> just don't remember. I mean, does that sound impossible? Remember youth? Like, <laughs> yeah, like remember it in its context. Like I feel like perhaps you've painted your youth with a brush of unhappiness from like uh adolescence. I don't know. I was actually pretty right? happy as a teenager. Oh. Yeah, I was really miserable as a young young child. And then huh, I got happier when I was about 13 and we are, yeah, about 13 or 12 or something after we moved away from Richlands and we Maybe lived in PA for a is. few years. Fuck Richlands. <laughs> like seriously I mean, though. Like when I moved back, it was still like, I could be like a happy person, but I don't know. I remember when we talked in the the first time we ever really, like I felt I ever really talked to you in like length was a bus ride to a poetry slam thing oh yeah that was so fun and i think you were feeling what's his name ben oh yeah <laughs> not 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 ben but ben rogers ben yeah yeah um that was a that was a time but i remember talking to you about that and like it just seemed like you were really reserved like like you I, when i was talking to you it felt like you felt you weren't allowed to be happy because of your uh your colitis and at the time i didn't know that's what it was because you were saying like talking about it in a very round way roundabout way and um, oh, huh. but now now in context i can see the whole conversation playing out and thinking of it like that i felt like you were defensive like you were protecting yourself because you were worried that people wouldn't understand your situation because they didn't know that like they didn't know it firsthand i guess yeah i think i i remember when i I went to the hospital and I had to get, I had also had like super anemia. So I had to get a blood transfusion, like right before I got like a colonoscopy at 15 years old. And it really felt like I, I really took it on very heavily in a way that like my friends like immediately mocked me for feeling for, you know, reacting heavily and be like, I have to be home by a certain time so I can take these pills because I didn't bring them with me or anything. And I have to take these pills three times a day and whatever the fuck to, you know, help maintain or get, get this better. Which friends? Uh, like Ben, uh, the other one. <laughs> That's upsetting. I and Jamie, probably. I don't even remember, like, whoever I was hanging out with. Kiwi. Jamie. And... Kiwi, fuck man, I still see yeah. her posts. I still see P Kiwi's posts all the, the time cutest, uh, with her wife pets. and her dog. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Oh, I I took it on really heavily because it really felt like um, it fe felt like. And now I realize like, oh, they might have been. I mean, I think 
also people are just kind of jerks. Um, but I, I took it on really heavily because, because it's, it felt really like an inheritance. It felt like the worst inheritance because all this stuff runs in my family. My mother has it. My grandmother, like basically all of my female relatives have either Crohn's or colitis. And, um, you know, it, it's been worse for some people. And like, I feel like I've got like a pretty decent case, like a pretty, like relatively mild, like mild. Yeah. yeah I haven't versus, had to have like yeah. a, like a stoma bag or anything. <laughs> but um, like feet of your intestines removed and shit. Yeah, it, but like, because it happened when I was 15 and I've always had this and that like, it's, it's so prevalent in my family. It felt like it's such a heavy inheritance. And, and because like, they may be very aware when I was in the hospital, it was, it was like, yeah, this like ups your risk of colon cancer, which is a type of cancer that like, you often don't know, they don't show any symptoms until you're like, about to fucking yeah, croak. Yeah. And um, I'm like, oh, fun. Um, <laughs> and and so like, I just felt yeah. like my life cut short then. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And I, and I realized like years later, um, like probably in like my, yeah, when I, my relationship that I had when I was about 23, I, I felt like I had to present this information to him because mm-hmm. I felt I really did take it on very heavily. And, I felt like I was kind of damaged goods by it. And I was like, uh, who would really like, do you want to be with me knowing that like, like there's like, we just like can't go to certain, a lot of restaurants are kind of like off limits for me if I'm having a bad time and in daily life can be a bad time. And, <laughs> and like, I could have like a really shortened life expectancy because of, you know, complications. That could happen, you know. I I really took it on very very heavily. Um, Are you like that now? Uh, or is Reese like uh, kind of like mitigated that? I literally know nothing about this guy. By the way, he just seems like a big giant nice sweetheart teddy bear. That's all. Like that's literally because like, I only get pictures <laughs> and like small little <laughs> clips. We've never had like a conversation with the guy, but he just seems like just like a real like chipper guy. I don't, I don't know. Oh, he is not chipper. He's like mm-hmm. fantastic and wonderful and amazeballs. Um, <laughs> he's not a chipper though. <laughs> but he seems, um, he seems yeah. chipper. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> I have this perfect image of Reese. How dare you? <laughs> um. Uh, no, I think uh, after, like, I had a relapse of colitis whenever, uh, during my senior, during our senior year. Oh, no. And um, I had, like, a few mystery illnesses that took me out for, like, a week or two. I think they were ulcers, but fucking doctors are freaking useless. But then after I had, like, a couple of those mystery illnesses, I had a relapse um, in senior year. And it was... Um, it was kind of like, it was really scary because I kind of had already decided to kind of take a quote unquote year off, even though I was going to go to Coastal, I was going to go to the community college instead and just like, you know, rack up a few credits, but not really like exert myself too much. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, I feel like I can't leave because I'm having this, this illness. So I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, 
kind of, you know, lucky, I guess, uh, that I kind of already decided that before that really took hold. Um, and then I had like a lot of years where it really wasn't a problem where I was really, um, functioning well. And like, I really haven't had, I, I had a relapse for like a few days for like a little under a week, maybe four years ago or three years ago. And it is like a relapse, like inflammation or yeah. Um, it's like, uh, the ulcers, um, basically for ulcerative colitis, like the ulcers can like get irritated and open up and, um, and, you know, makes you go to the bathroom very frequently. Um, and I imagine it hurts a whole fucking lot too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of like super, it was like cramps isn't really the right word, but like, yeah. Stabby, stabby cramps. Yeah, yeah, kind of stabby. But I don't know. I've I've had better luck with it. But I'm also like a super hypochondriac, so I take anything else on really heavily that has to do with my health or anything that could be wrong with me. I feel that's just a symptom of having health issues, mm-hmm. though. So like hypochondriacs, not the word. Maybe cautious. Yeah, overly like cautious. Having a chronic illness and having a track record of doctors being useless for a lot of other things. Um, and having a lot of anxiety about, and really sensitive to anything happening in my body. Plus watching ER when I was a kid and feeling like I had the symptoms of whatever like patient they were showing. (laughs) It's like a horrible storm of, of useless anxiety about my health. Like every headache is an aneurysm (laughs) or a tumor. (laughs) Like it's fun. How do I end this? Thus ends part one and also ends any moment of me knowing what to do right now. How do I record an outro? What is it? Who am I? Where am I? Is this apartment mine? I'm planning to put out part two of this talk next week. Um, and I feel like that gets kind of intense. Uh, <laughs> or I mean, and, and by get intense, I mean, it's start like I ask a question giggling uh, because I feel self-conscious about the question. And then it gets into like, some very like dark human territory immediately what's the typical outro spiel i'm supposed to go on or used to go on uh social media worst person pod whatever yeah no one cares um people will do what they're gonna do i like this just like 7 a.m outro recording plus nihilism and general hopelessness um (laughs) thanks for listening I'm your host, Teresa Francesca, and this has been The Worst Person in the Room.